0: I want to introduce you to someone many of you know. He graduated last year. Alums do go on living after they graduate. There is a life outside of Westmont, and sometimes it's a unique life. Jonathan Hansen uh, graduated last year from Westmont. He's opened his own business here in Santa Barbara where he makes custom furniture for people. He's a craftsman, uh, a woodworker, a cabinet maker, a furniture maker, and he loves working with wood. He uh, also loves the works of C.S. Lewis, and he went and combined those two things last year by going back to England to the home of C.S. Lewis where he was uh, giving his skills as a craftsman to restore C.S. Lewis's home, I believe it was. And while he was there and on some other occasions, he's, he's met our speaker for this morning. And so I've asked Jonathan Hansen to come up and introduce our speaker. Let's welcome Jonathan Hansen back to Westmont. This morning, it's my pleasure to introduce a friend, Nigel Goodwin. He's an a Englishman from the Isle of Wight. And his uh, life and ministry is to minister to artists. And put simply, he's an artist who loves Christ. And he brings those two things together very well, whether it means uh, sitting up in London in the theater district until 2 AM, talking to painters or those in, in the arts, or he, he's in London or Paris, New York. Many, many countries around the world, his specific ministry is to artists. And it's my pleasure to introduce Nigel, Nigel Goodwin.
1: Open the window, Westmont, and taste the rain. Christy and Patrick lie broken somewhere in this area. And if we can learn to weep, we can learn to dance. And unless we learn to weep, unless we hit the floor, we'll never rise above it. It is a broken church and a broken people and a broken family and a broken college that will remake America, that will dance and sing and shout and climb the high mountains together. We say there is no God quite easily when amongst the curving steel and glass of our own proud creations they will not argue. The last time we strained to look up we could see only skyscrapers shaking their heads and smiling. (laughs) No, the pavement is reality. We say there is no God quite easily when walking back through man's concreted achievements. But on reaching the park, our attention is distracted by anthems of birds coming from the greenery. We find ourselves shouting a little louder now because of the rushing streams. Our voices are rained upon by the falling of leaves. We should not take our arguments for walks like this. The park has absolutely no manners. How rude is the park? How How vulgar is the park? What is the park saying this morning to us who just crawled out of our beds to be here? Who were probably turned down and in, weighed down with grades? And the park is there, full of birds, singing. I once opened my window in London, in deep winter. I opened my window, and outside the tree was full of birds. And I said, shut up! You're making such a noise! Steve Turner, the poet who I just quoted, said, when I play my records at full volume in stereo, I have to close all the windows. I can't stand the noise of the birds outside in the trees. The birds know what they're singing about. They must sing. They have to sing. They don't even choose to sing. They sing because they sing. The treeness of the tree and the birdness of the bird. And what are humans doing? They're hurting. They're crying. They're dreaming. They're numb. They're pressured. They're laying trips on one another. They're criticizing each other. Friends, this morning, when in doubt, take everything as a compliment. It's the only way to survive. I couldn't have cared less about the existence of God for the first 25 years of my life. As a very small person, I wanted to go onto the stage. Why? Because I wanted to be loved. Is that a crime? I wanted to be cuddled, I wanted to be believed in. I wanted to be hugged, I wanted to be applauded. I wanted somebody to say, thank you for me. I wanted to know that I was valued. But I didn't want anyone to get too close. I didn't want them to find out the question behind the question, behind the question, behind the question. What is really going on? inside in the inner recesses of my life. I came from a broken home, so what's new? I'd had a broken engagement, so what's new? And you know, life at gut level is about relationship. Ships full of relations. Relationship. And that's what this place is about. Ultimately, it's not about passing your exams. It's about who you are and not what you do. And America is so product-driven, as is Britain. What do you do? What do you do? Do, do, do! And God didn't create doers. He created beers. Human beings not human doings. And therefore we need to say to each other, who are you? And who are you is like, how long have you got? Who are you is a journey. Who are you is a chapter. Who are you is a story. Who are you is commitment. And your world, even more than mine, has a fear of commitment because it sees its parents falling apart. It sees its world falling apart. It sees mo- post-modern, postmodernity moving to the margins, fragmentation. So, why commit? How do I trust? What can I hold on to? Where's my <laughs> Linus blanket? I was breastfed such a long while ago. And there's such a fear a spirit of a fear of commitment and yet you know, friends, we have been so committed to. We have been so loved. So is just SO, isn't it? It's a tiny, tiny word. It seems almost insignificant and yet it has an infinite dimension. God so loved. He didn't just love. Just is such a put down word. I'm just a secretary. I'm just a student. I'm only a, I'm just a. No you're not. You're incredible this morning. God didn't make a repeat. Every one of us here is a one-off. We're incredible. You, sir, are incredible. And I hope you know that. Not because I say so. Forget what I say. I don't have to be asked back. (laughs) You know, if you speak to be asked back, you don't say what's on your heart. You say what you think people like to hear. I'm not trying to say what I think you'd like to hear this morning, I'm trying to say what's on my heart. And my heart's heavy, my heart's heavy for Patrick and Christy. I don't know them, except I do know them. Because I know that they're fearfully and wonderfully made. I know that they're made in the image of the maker. I know they're made to make and they're broken and can't make. What are you making? Every one of us is made to make every one of us is a maker. And we're so loved, so loved, at incredible risk, God took off his glory clothes and got stuck into this world. He undressed. He took off all that heavy gear. All those reds and golds and blues that 14th century painters painted him in. Took off all that stuff. All that churchianity. And came and got stuck into our desert. The desert of our making. For we had been in a garden. Walking in the cool of the day. In the garden. I won't be asked back. <laughs> you know, what we do, what we do is we plant plastic trees. We turn reality because we cannot stomach it anymore, because it's too costly. It's too committed. Reality needs watering. Reality needs pruning. Reality needs care, commitment, love, involvement, relationship. And so we make disposable. Chuck away kitsch. God's into real. What is real, said the velveteen rabbit to the old skin horse. Real is when you've been loved for a very long time, said the old skin horse, and your eyes fall out and your hair drops off, then you know you're real. And friends, whatever else you hear this morning, hear this, you have been loved for a very long time, at great risk, so loved, God so loved the world. He loved what He made. Do you love what you make? Your makers. Do you love what you make? God loved what He made. And He made us in His image, this infinite personal, personal infinite God involved in a love relationship. The Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit made out of the pregnancy of their love, the fullness of their love, they birthed a world. Woo! Wee! That's jazz! That's rock! Wow, wee! A world! boom dee boom boom boom! Boom! You think I'm nuts? That's okay. That's okay. God made a world. A world of dance and music and song. A world of color and symphony and sound. A world of breath and life and being. And we turned it into a desert. And God could have gone, as Ezekiel the prophet so dramatically says, build a model of Jerusalem and turn your face against it. (laughs) And that's what we deserve, but it's not what we get. It's what we deserve, but not what we get. God came into our desert to remake a garden in our lives. The tiniest spark pushes back the darkest night, birthed nakedly as we all were, birthed nakedly in Bethlehem in Judea, insignificant little town, oh not the place of Mr. Powerhouse, Mr. Herod, Jerusalem, oh no, Bethlehem, over there, what has that got to do with reality? Light was born in darkness. God is not afraid of the dark. Are you? Are you afraid of the dark? God does not rape the dark in any of us. God does not beat up the dark in any of us. God does not bully the dark in any of us. God brings a candle gently, lovingly, caressingly, challengingly, yes, into. And iron begins to sharpen iron and wit to sharpen wit. God wants to do radical work in our lives. Chrissy and Patrick can be well again. All of us are disabled. None of us are fully able, and we are being made able by love, by love. We are being mended, we're a process, a journey, not a product, a package deal, all wrapped, signed, sealed and stamped. And you unwrap it like Hollywood, promising everything and delivering nothing. No, this is a promise and a delivery. A promise and a delivery. And God came in and actually died in our junkyard on a rubbish tip where we are. To take us to where we never dreamed we might go. He came into our hell to take us to his heaven. From our, into our dark to his light. Wow. Second star to the right and straight on till morning. It's a great journey. It's a great progress. It's a pilgrim adventure. Get on board little children. Don't stand at the bus stop analyzing it, reading the instructions. Of course don't commit intellectual suicide. When the head and the heart and the gut are working from the glory of God, watch out America. Woo! Head, heart and gut. And most of you are quite good on the heart. Most of you are not afraid of your tears. Your generation majors on feelings, existentialism. It's not afraid of its feelings. Your parents majored on their heads, but they weren't good in their hearts. And when the head and the heart are working from the gut, because, dear friends, When we are born, we are born in the gut. It is not anti. The heart. The heart is involved in birth. The head is involved in birth. But the gut gives birth. And when Jesus... He's walking and talking and it's all theater with his disciples. And they're chatting away together and somebody enters stage right and says, Yeshua, Jesus, your cousin John has been killed by Mr. Nasty, taken out. Jesus wants to go off stage, up the hill, up the mountain to weep. For Patrick and Christy, and one another. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often would I have gathered you as a mother hen gathers her chicks and you won't let me love you. You can walk away from love this morning. That's how much you're loved. You can choose not to be loved this morning. That's how much you're loved. Because you have choice not to be loved. But you also have choice to be loved. And this is no sloppy, sentimental, lovey-dovey, wishy-washy, blonde, blue-eyed Hollywood love. This isn't chocolate box. This is tough love. Tough love. Calvary love is tough love. It's not for wets and wimps. I don't understand that I'm loved like that. I can't comprehend that. I've never loved like that. I must receive that. For if love is in you this morning, friends, love will come out of you. If Coca Cola's in you this morning, Coca Cola will come out of you. What is in you will take you to the bathroom it will also take you to the street, take you to the marketplace, take you out into the world to share it and be wasted and that is used powerfully. If it's not in you, you can't pass it on. It's as basic as that. If you're hungry for love, and I want us to be hungry here this morning. It's not easy to be hungry in Santa Barbara. It's not easy to be hungry because we don't know yet. We are very blessed here this morning. Much of America is fat cat. Fat in its head. Never mind its gut. Middle-aged spread of the mind. Never mind the gut. And Britain. We don't know what it is to go without in many areas. And I'm not beating you up over that. To whom much is given, much is required. If you're blessed here today, then bless. Don't keep it to yourself in some kind of self-indulgent holy huddle, up the cul-de-sac of irrelevancy, dancing on your own grave, navel-gazing. Bless. If you've been blessed, you bless. And so... This great God, who so loves, came, walked, talked, breathed, lived, wept, danced, sang, cried, agonized, and finally was crucified. What a prophet. Where is the prophet voice today? the prophet that speaks against the numbness of a nation, the numbness of a community, a community turned in on itself and turned down and that's longing to be turned out and up. A community that wants to dance again and sing again and shout again and weep again and laugh again and be real. Have a life. But this prophet did not stay dead. I do not believe when my life was dramatically changed on a piece of open ground in South London in the 1960's. I was not looking at a dead man on a wooden cross or an impotent baby in a cradle. I was opening the window and tasting the rain. I was going through the doorway of an empty cross and through an empty tomb into a new life, a new space, a new time, a new history of a resurrected Lord Jesus Christ. Boom. is he some kind of African no see what I'm saying the birds are shouting the trees are speaking the heavens are telling the glory of God and what are we doing <laughs> eating hamburgers <laughs> buying kitsch celebrating meaninglessness Oh, get a life! Get a life! Oh, Jerusalem, get a life! Oh, Westmont! Oh, America! For three days later, the ground could not hold him. The tomb was empty. And a woman who had been changed from prostitution down and in, brokenness, meaninglessness, emptiness, an abused, broken, smashed person came into the garden, came to the tomb on Easter Sunday to anoint the one who had so loved her, agape, not eros or philio, but given her her worth and her value A remade woman came there to that moment in space and time. And she saw through her tears, Oh God, where have they laid my Lord? She saw a gardener. And the gardener said, Mary gave her her name. You have a name this morning. You're personal. You're not impersonal. You're loved. You're not not loved. You're cherished. You're human. You have the potential of changing your world. Every one of you. Or you have the potential of being a clone. Of being in a chorus. Of being just nothing. I can't do anything about that. That is your free choice this morning as you walk out of this building to the classroom or wherever. She thought she saw a gardener. And when he gave her her name, she saw the gardener back in the garden. Not Eden. Joni Mitchell used to sing, let's get back to the garden. Not Eden. We're not going back. We stand on our history. And on our history, we go forward to make history. Writers, poets, painters, sculptors, engineers, scientists, philosophers, we go forward to make our history standing in such a cloud of witnesses, on such a history, standing on Milton and Bach and Rembrandt, standing on Martin Luther, standing on T.S. Eliot, Charles Williams, Tolkien, C.S. Lewis, we stand and go forward, not answering our parents' unanswered questions but dealing with ours and this world has questions, behind questions, behind questions. Let the gardener remake the garden in your life. Let him call you by name this morning. His name is Yeshua. His name is Jesus. Let Jesus radically remake my life and your life among us in West this morning so that we may go out and make history. Not for our glory, but his glory. Return the gift to the giver that you have received. Unwrap it. Work at it and offer it back. For his glory, your good, and the good of the watching world. In my world, I would write of golden suns, if it weren't for the obscuring clouds. I would write of the wind-bent grass, but all the fields are tarmacked and multi-story. Instead, I'll be an urban wordsworth writing of reinforced concrete landscapes and clear brown skies where to wander lonely as a cloud is just not advisable after dark. (laughs) There is much fear in our world today and on our streets today. It's not easy to have street cred today. You don't go empty. You go full. You don't go just to give. You go to listen, to sit with, to cry with, to laugh with, to engage, not disengage, the fragmented, broken hearts of many. And as you do that, so you will be blessed. When Henri Nouwen's went to the Jean-Vernay Lache community in France. He went there to a broken people and received so much healing in his own heart. Do you want to be healed this morning? Then receive the love of God revealed in Jesus Christ. It's simple. But it's an incredible journey to begin. An incredible journey to begin. <clears throat> I mentioned that we stand in the history of C.S. Lewis. And Jonathan mentioned bringing his gifts to London, England, to Oxford, England, to the kilns. And there are one or two places left this summer if any of you would like to come and help remake a space in Oxford, England that your generation and generations yet to be might come and understand the incredible history that we stand upon, that we make for our grandchildren. I'm going to have a prayer now, and then maybe, yep, yeah, we've got a few moments for some questions. I know the seats aren't that comfortable, but most of us know, know much about discomfort. So try not to wriggle your bums too much. And we'll stay together for a few more minutes, and I'll hang around if you want to talk to me. And if your heart is in the arts especially and if anybody like a bit of literature I've got one or two bits with me. But most important is you. You've heard what I've said this morning many times in a variety of different ways. Jesus said let those who have ears to hear, hear. Westmont College grabs its ears, they've got two, and say well what's he on about? Those people are hearing with their ears and not through their ears. When you hear through your ears you hear into your heart. And when you see through your eyes and not just with your eyes, you see into your heart. And when you see it with your heart, you do something about it. That is your choice this morning. To do something about it. Let's pray. Father, We need a father. Our nation, our college, Santa Barbara, California, USA 1997 needs a father. Thank you for sending us a son to introduce us to a father. And thank you for sending us your spirit not bound by a body to move among us this morning and to introduce us to a son. Father, Son and Holy Spirit Speak through our ears, into our hearts, and send us out from this place as a new creation in Christ. Take our brokenness, take our unanswered questions, Take the things that would keep us hiding from you. Take off those clothes, all the baggage that gets in the way. And make us real. That we may walk the talk. That we may be who you created us to be. People of the way, the truth, and the life. Following Jesus. Found faithful. In his name and for his glory. Amen. Anything on your hearts? Question, come to the mic, would you... Um, I think there's two mics there. Come as quick as possible. If you think you've got a dumb question, so has the person next to you. Every person here has questions. The question is, have we the courage to ask them? You know, there are two kinds of fools. The fool who says there is no God and the fool who says there is. And whose fool are you? We're jugglers and clowns for Jesus. I am. So, have you got a question? Would somebody like to ask me a question? Please? If you want to stand up where you are because you don't want to go to the mic, that's fine. Do that. Yeah. Do you mind shouting it out? So say it backwards and I'll hear. What exactly
0: is your ministry? Like, what, how do you
1: the to the Isn't that a wonderful word? What exactly? <laughs> because you see, no, yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> It's okay, I'm not beating you up. I'm not rebuking. but it's a, it's a, it's a package, isn't it? Like tell us in 6 seconds what is your ministry? Well, Jonathan told you if you had ears to hear. I'm not rebuking you. I sit up, yes, on Broadway, I sit up around this world and I listen To those in the theater, dance, art, media, entertainment industry, I am trying to, here's the package I'm trying to wake up the church to be church and not do church, to be Christ and not do Christ, to be proactive and not reactive, to be committed to sending its sons and daughters in their gifting into the world and not be of it. To know your gifting is to know your calling and a proper job for you is what you're good at and not what somebody else tells you to do. Be it a parent or whoever. What you're good at is what you've been equipped. You've got to train it, you've got to sweat at it, 90% perspiration, 10% inspiration. You've got to work at it, it's hard work, it's not easy. If you want to get off the ground, you've got to hit the ground. If you want to move, you've got to move. You can't philosophize about it and stand still. So it's hard work. So I'm trying to wake up the church to engage the world. And I'm trying to wake up the world to engage the church. I'm trying to help gifted men and women who have fabulous gifts know who gave them their gift in the first place. And I'm usually accused by the church of being too in the world and accused by the world of being too in the church and then you're in the right place. Thank you for the question. One more perhaps? Yes, friend. (laughs) <laughs> Wasn't it good that we began with silence this morning? Now, silence can be just fearful and empty, or silence can be full and flowing. Because when God calmed the storm, he put it back into a relationship for which it was intended which is what he wants to do with us harmonise not to turn us into a stagnant pond from a stormy sea but to make us make sense and the prophetic voice makes us make sense it makes sense out against senselessness. It gives meaning to non meaning. It stands against the tide. But it identifies with the tide. It weeps with those who are weeping and laughs with those who are laughing. My mother prayed for me for five years every day. My mother prayed for me for five years every day. I was working in television, film and theatre. And I told her to go jump in the lake, she lived in South London, there were no lakes available. She didn't take my advice. She just prayed for me. The creativity of prayer is incredible. To pray for Patrick and Christy, serious praying means commitment. Serious praying means relationship. Serious praying means journey. I was at Bible college in the 1960s because I thought if I'm going to share what I'm trying to share with you this morning, I need to do some study. Comparative religions, philosophy, theology, you name it, history, church history, I needed to study. And it was tough for an actor in that space because I understood about performance and I didn't understand about getting grades and all that stuff passing exams and things. I found that difficult. And uh, while I was there I had a dream one night. Uh, I thought God initially got me into Bible college through the story of Through Gates of Splendor written by Elizabeth Elliot about five men from Wheaton College who in 1957 were killed on the banks of the Curare River in Ecuador, South America by the Alca Indians. And the Alca Indians killed these missionaries. Because we all kill each other when we're frightened of each other. We kill each other when we're frightened of each other. And when we love each other, we build each other up. And that was God's way of getting me to Bible college and I've been corresponding corresponding with the Alka Indians ever since. And while I was there, I saw a house in a city full of artists, and they were laughing and crying together. They were committed to one another. They were all interacting with one another. I had this strong picture, like a Van Gogh painting. And I woke up in the morning, and I had a little bit of theology, not much. And I spent the next six months finding six people who were all working professionally in Britain in the arts who had become committed Christians. And I found those six people and we prayed together for seven years once a month. It is comparatively easy to give birth to something. It is another thing to maintain it. Your parents have done their best to maintain you and it hasn't been easy for you or them. Maintenance is tough. It's a tough love. It's not an easy journey. I've been married for 26 years and it gets better every day. It gets better every day. And it's not because we